Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. A growing number of senior U.S. officials expect the Russia-Ukraine conflict to extend to space. They're predicting continued GPS jamming and spoofing and are urging both military and commercial space operators to be prepared for possible cyber attacks. There's no doubt, unfortunately, that given that we have such an infrastructure in space and we rely on it, or, or, or our adversaries know that, that our satellites are targeted and that in a, in, a, in a conflict, they are at risk. We probably have a trillion dollars worth of assets in space at any given time. In this episode, we dive deeper into the rocket business with Dan Hart, as companies like Virgin Orbit work with governments and other customers to deploy satellites into space, pitching the promise of affordable and fast launch service that could eventually become a deterrent as Russia's invasion puts commercial space to the test. I'm Morgan Brennan and this is Manifest Space. Satellites are crucial to daily life for billions of people. They're also instrumental in providing timely intelligence as the Russia-Ukraine conflict plays out on the ground. Satellites comprise critical infrastructure that can be threatened, be it by cyber attacks or weapons designed specifically to destroy them, like the anti-satellite weapon system tested by Russia just last November. What has been happening of late, really be well before Ukraine, is that Russia, as well as China, have been demonstrating the ability to, to destroy satellites in orbit. And those satellites support our economy. I spoke with Dan Hart, CEO of Virgin Orbit, Sir Richard Branson's other space company. Orbit provides launch services for small satellites using a rocket that takes off from under the wing of an adapted Boeing 747 jet, once used by Virgin Atlantic. Whereas sister company Virgin Galactic is focused on flying passengers to the edge of space, Virgin Orbit is focused on orbital infrastructure and how to keep the world connected even during conflict. Satellites support the synchronization of our banking system, our navigation, how we understand our world, how we understand what's going on. And, and so there's a whole new set of discussions afoot of what do we do about space that used to be a sanctuary, used to be a place that was an engineering problem of how do you make satellites work in communication and to support humankind, how do we create a system that is robust so that our adversaries cannot affect them, cannot take our eyes out, cannot take our communications out that allows us to function through? Mm. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think I'll start with how does Virgin Orbit fit into this? I mean, it was a couple of years ago, maybe a year after um, Orbit was spun out of Virgin Galactic that I was sitting down with the company's founder, Sir Richard Branson. And one of the things he talked about was the air launch capability of Virgin Orbit means you could potentially see a very fast turnaround in terms of relaunching satellites. Exactly. I mean, so first of all, you know, one problem with satellites is they're extremely predictable. I mean, they're in orbit, they go around the same orbit all the time. So if, if an adversary is looking at causing mischief in space, um, they just you know, they need to just study the satellites that are there. They can characterize them. They can target them. If you look at the launch infrastructure that we have in this country, it grew up kind of organically with this sort of scientific mindset. So it's, it's centralized. 
it's static. You know, it, you've launch pads in, in, in very specific places, and it's extremely predictable. Um, and it's also subject not only to human intervention, but weather. I mean, if there's a hurricane off the coast of Florida, everybody in the world knows the United States is not launching from there that day. Uh, and any ground launch uh, uh, system anywhere in the world can be spotted, can be targeted very easily. But what happens when, when we change the game? And that's what we've done with Virgin Orbit. So we've created a system that is based on an aircraft, the 747, a global aircraft cruiser. So we can launch from anywhere in the world. We operate like an aircraft, so we can operate very quickly if a satellite is disabled, if additional resources are needed because, let's say, somebody is jamming GPS signals or something. We could put a, a satellite over that area and, and characterize it immediately. We can change the way we do space in that we can allow the U.S. government and our allies to launch from anywhere at any time, do it unwarned so that, it, that everybody's not waiting for the big launch to happen from the Cape. Instead, a satellite pops up from the middle of the ocean, uh, hmm. from the middle of nowhere. Um, and, and so it, it changes the whole calculus. Hopefully, hopefully it deters people from ever investing in space anti-satellite weapons because if if we can put them up easily from anywhere what's the point of investing in 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 causing mischief in space yeah i mean certainly that seems like the marketing thrust um and the capability uh pitch that would be made to for example the defense department or or other allies um similar defense departments and national security offices as well how how quickly would you be able to do this? Heaven forbid we saw some sort of conflict actually break out in space. How quickly could you do this? Well, we, we are, are targeting the ability to put a satellite up in a day. Um, you know, a real game changer. And, and I'll point out that we operate as an aircraft. And so, you know, we've done four launches now. And up to this point, we've never scrubbed a launch, uh, which is unheard of for a, a new launch system. That is but, pretty impressive. But the aircraft allows us to operate, you know, and, and I'm, you've been on 747s before. I mean, they, they usually have a pretty good, you know, operational rhythm and they can fly more than once a day. So that's what we're targeting. If you think about the way we've done space traditionally, it's been over five years, 10 years, putting up a capability. And then when something happens on the earth, we think about what's up there and we make the best use of what we have. Um, this is a game changer. Now we're talking about giving our commanders the ability to say, I need an asset there. I need, I need more GPS. I need better communications there. And in a day, it's there. So potential future deterrence as we see this capability come online and in a, to a larger scale. I should say, in the meantime, amid this invasion of Ukraine, you've got the National Reconnaissance Office Director uh, Chris Scalise basically saying that he is concerned that Russia could be willing to extend this conflict to space. Um, I guess how exactly. are you how are you gaming that out? I mean, how how concerned are you that that could really actually happen here, especially given the fact that now the timing almost seems not coincidental, right? That we did see this Russia ASAT test, this anti-satellite weapons test, just last fall. Yeah, I, I think there, there's no doubt unfortunately, that given that we have such an infrastructure in space and we rely on it, or, or, or our adversaries know that, that our satellites are targeted and that in a, in a, 
in a conflict, they are at risk. Um, and, and so the ability, you know, what's the good news, so that's the scary bad news. Uh, the good news is that, you know, really commercial technology has allowed us to have some solutions uh, available to us. So, you know, the ability to make small satellites that are really capable um, allows us the possibility of taking some of our large systems and distributing them into smaller systems so that it's harder to target, you know, one, one effect doesn't take out a huge capability. And then, as I mentioned, marry that with a launch system like Launcher One. And if something is affected the next day, there's another or two more of them in place and we can have continuation of operations. Mm -hmm. Really, that, that's the idea. And I, I think that's the solution that we need to move out on very, very quickly. Given the fact that you established Vox Space, which is Virgin Orbit's subsidiary that is specifically supplying launch service to the U.S. military, how big is the opportunity? I mean, it's, you know, the, the United States spends billions of dollars on this infrastructure. I mean, tens of billions of dollars a year. Um, and so it's a very, very large opportunity um, uh, for us and to be partnering with our satellite customers, you know, whether it's optical systems, synthetic aperture radar, you know, companies like Horizon and Spire who do, uh, you know, signal work, uh, uh, signal intelligence, uh, GPS augmentation. Um, there's a huge industry that, that we can uh, partner with and, and really provide a, a backup, um, a, a really the backbone of the system in, in a, a time of conflict. So it's, it's tens of billions of dollars. I mean, we have we probably have a trillion dollars worth of assets in space at any given time. A trillion with a T, just to yeah. put that in perspective. So how are you balancing, I guess, that governmental work uh, against, against those commercial opportunities? Well, the interesting thing is they're pretty well in sync right now. Um, so you, you think about um, the, what the commercial world wants. Um, we have small satellites and constellations going up they want to be able to go to a specific orbit on their schedule. Now, they don't have the one-day call-up need, but they do have the desire to be in the right place at the right time. Um, so, so that's very well in sync. The other aspect in our system is because we're a mobile system, you know, 747 and a few trucks, we have the ability to serve our allies. And so, you know, we're working with several countries, the UK, where we plan to do the first launch in history out of the UK or out of, Euro out of Europe um, this year. Uh, we're working with Japan, we're working with Brazil, we're working with, with a dozen other countries where we can provide them launch from their shores uh, by basically taking an airport that stays in operation as an airport, but all, also becomes a spaceport mm. where, where a 747 can leave and go to space. So our, our business plan is very well in sync with, you know, that kind of an approach, which is exactly what we're talking about here for national security. I mean, it's pretty incredible to think about what that means in terms of expansion, launch capabilities and space capabilities um, through this process. What does it mean in terms of, I mean, we, we could talk about ASATs and, you know, what those types of weapons have done to make space, you know, less secure from a debris standpoint, just, I mean, just how busy how busy is space now poised to get because of these launch capabilities? 
Well, I mean, you know, hopefully we don't have a, a, a conflict that significantly yeah. affects space. But obviously, if there ever was, we would be extraordinarily busy. We'd be on high alert and we would be scrambling our 747s continually. Um, you know, the good news is we have the ability to do it. Um, uh, you know, the, hopefully the, in, in the environment we'll be in is, yes, demonstrating readiness and, and establishing this capability broadly. Um, launching on a regular uh, cycle time for national security, for our allies and for commercial and for civil space. And, and so we see ourselves, you know, ramping up uh, our launch cadence into the 40s, the 50s, uh, maybe the 60s over the next uh, five years, you know, wow. to where we're, we're servicing commercial customers all the time. If, if somebody has an availability gap, we get a satellite up quickly. Uh, there's a lot of customers uh, popping up, but also we have this backbone for national security for our allies at their airports, for the United States or at our airports, and we're working collaboratively. That's fascinating. 40, when I hear you talking about 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, and Every I realize week. you've got the national security work, but like, is there enough commercial demand and satellite providers out there that have the green light where you're actually going to be able to pick up a cadence that aggressively? Yeah, and we see, you know, pretty much an even split between commercial and national security. And what's the interesting thing of what's going on is, you know, we've always talked about space being a global activity mm. because we're over we're orbiting the globe. But there's something else globally happening right now. And that is there are almost 80 space agencies across the world. And there are only about 10 of them who have space launch. Mm. And so every single one of these space agencies is growing a space economy, is serving their space national security needs, has recognized that space is important as a bedrock infrastructure uh, uh, a capability for their economy, for their prestige as a country, for their national security and ability to work across. And so, you know, our system is uniquely capable because to get space launch capability, they don't have to build Cape Canaveral on their shores. We launch, you know, as I mentioned before, from an airport. They all have airports. So an airport that's preferably by the ocean, uh, because we like the view. Um, <laughs> no, you want to be near the ocean uh, so you can fly out and, yeah. and, and fly overseas. Um, you know, gives them a capability that is simpler from a regulatory point of view. You don't have all the range safety problems of launching a rocket near your villages and your cities. Uh, gives you flexibility because you can fly the airplane anywhere. So even if you're you're, you've got a lot of neighbors, you can fly out and you can actually have a capable launch system from your country, you know, even if it's a, in a congested area like Europe. Hmm. So walk me through, I mean, you mentioned Europe, walk me through what Cornwall is going to be, Cornwall is going to be like when that opens up later this year. So we're working very closely um, with ministers, with the secretaries of state in, in the UK, the prime minister, uh, invited us over uh, last June, and, and we attended in, at the, the G7 summit uh, as a, a, a sort of a, a showcase of what's going to happen uh, this year. Uh, we've been working very closely under contract with the UK Space Agency, with County Cornwall, uh, and with the RAF. Um, and we plan to do the first ever launch out of Cornwall. Uh, we're targeting this summer. Um, a lot of work is going on. There's new regulation. We're working very closely with the CAA, which is the FAA equivalent in the UK. 
Uh, there's work going on at the airport to prepare. Um, you know, very exciting. We have a set of payloads that are, are ready to go. It's a combination of commercial payloads, um, a number of them in the UK because the UK has a very rich small satellite um, industry. And also the RAF and the Space Force are collaborating on a set of payloads as well. Um, if you noticed, if you watched our live stream from our last mission, which was a month ago, you'll notice that the airplane had a bit of a British accent. <laughs> and, and, um, and that is because Cosmic Girl, our airplane, uh, was co-piloted by an RAF officer on that mission. Oh, really? Um, uh, yeah, uh, Flight Lieutenant Matthew Stannard, Stanny, was the co-pilot. He's actually the, the person who released the rocket from the airplane. Uh, when at the right point in time. And so he's on loan for us for three years. Um, and he's been a, a key link uh, in our relationship with the RAF. And we're having similar discussions uh, with other allies of, of doing similar things. Very interesting. So, I mean, you just mentioned your most recent launch, successful mission. It was, it was your third successful mission to orbit. Uh, when is the next one? What, is the, what does the manifest look like this year and beyond? So we're targeting, you know, late April, early May for our next flight. It's currently planned as a DOD launch. Um, uh, so we'll perform that. We've been, you know, working with the DOD, not only on the, the basic launch, but also the responsiveness aspects of space launch. And after that, the next one will be Cornwall. So, uh, and then we'll, we have, you know, uh, 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 three more launches after that, that we're planning. So it's a busy year for us as we ramp up. And of course, I'm going to ask you the competition question, which I know, and you've kind of touched on it, just the fact that you've got a different launch process, uh, given the fact that it is air launched and there is an aircraft involved. Um, but there's a lot of competition out there and there's more that seems to be trying to come online right now. And I wonder just how you would assess that landscape and whether there's enough business for everyone or whether we're going to see some consolidation, some failures. Well, first of all, there's a big difference between wanting to do space launch and moving across the chasm to actually doing it. And you're seeing that play out over the past, you know, really couple of years. Um, it is, it is not easy to do, but so that's one differentiator we have is that we're one of the very few companies that is now in full operation, having completed three successful space flights and having 26 satellites delivered in orbit. But probably more important is, is what you touched on, which is, you know, we went about this and created a fundamentally different way of getting to space, marrying an aircraft and a liquid rocket. Uh, a year ago, it was the first time in history it was ever done. And now it's been done several times and it's becoming a normal routine. That gives us better economics because the, we have a simpler rocket that, that doesn't have to do any work until it's already at 35,000 feet, traveling the better part of Mach 1 and two thirds of the way through the atmosphere. And we have flexibility that nobody else can touch. We can, we can launch from airports around the world. We can have a, a unique place to play for national security. We have a unique place to play for providing launch to our allies, as well as the commercial and, and science community. So, you know, we're feeling pretty, pretty good about that. If you look at the other rockets that have been created, they are pretty much repeating what's been done over decades and decades of space launch ground rockets, the same capabilities, the same limitations, pretty much as we had in the 1960s. Which kind of brings me to the origin story of Virgin Orbit. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, the fact that it was spun out of Virgin Galactic back in 2017, which is also 
an air launch capability, um, but very different, very different since that's focused on human spaceflight and specifically suborbital space. So how did so how did this how did this piece of the business come to be? And then from there, I guess how how did the decision happen for it to be to be spun out and sort of become its own standalone entity? So I mean, this is this is the magic of being in the orbit, if you will, of Richard Branson. Um, you know, so Richard uh, is a he's a person of ideas and incredible creativity and is continually having discussions about what is possible and and why not. And so, you know, he was pursuing Virgin Galactic. It's an air launch capability, as you mentioned, very different technologies. But he said, well, what else can we do with this technology? You know, what else is possible using this approach? And, you know, in a series of discussions, uh, satellites, you know, and satellites is, is, is the business, you know, workhorse in space. Mm -hmm. And so it was a natural. Um, Richard, you know, commissioned a, a, a number of studies and then some early development, and it, it took its own life, uh, you know, I mean, took its own life. It moved forward, not the best phrase, um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and, it, and it gained momentum, but it, it became apparent to Richard and his advisors that um, it's really a different business element than human spaceflight. There are different customers, different needs, different technologies. And, and it was another large pro, uh, project. And so five years ago, you know, Richard decided to, um, to take that R&D program and make it into a real development program, get a, a, a leadership team around it. That's when I came over. I, I had been running a division uh, for the Boeing company to, of, of all of their, their government satellite programs, in fact. Um, and I came over and, and, and put the team together, uh, ramped a up and and four years later we went to orbit mm. what's it been like working at a company that was essentially a startup versus working at a boeing which has been doing space for so many decades well let's see there's similarities and there are differences the big difference is velocity um you know the amount of of infrastructure and i'll say bureaucracy associated with a large company is just very different um you know we make decisions quickly uh, and it's, you know, it has to do with empowerment. It also has to do with ownership and responsibility. I mean, it's all on your shoulders to get it done and, and your team. Um, and so it's really all about emphasizing that, um, you know, I have a board that has been uh, incredible uh, to work with who in, in, encourage that. Um, and, uh, you know, and I would say that's the difference. Um, you know, I, I had a phenomenal career across uh, large aerospace companies from this early space shuttle days to, to uh, satellite launch, satellite building, missile defense capabilities, you know, and those lessons are really important. We don't want to recreate the lessons of the past. So mm. the, the, the kinds of things that you do in space to make space successful, uh, to move it forward are common. And it's important to remember that, but the velocity that you can have with a creative team, uh, we have people who just came out of school, we have people from other industries, we have people mixing together from, you know, who have had ideas pent up from large space, all coming together and driving forward. So it's pretty darn exciting. It's a great team to work with.
It does feel like it is it is very much a new era, just even in, to your point, from a talent and workforce perspective, the fact that you have these new up and coming generations that are invigorated and excited about space in a way that maybe was lacking only just a couple of years ago. Um, being spun out of Virgin Galactic, very high profile company, sort of the first space, pure play, new space company to go public, popularized the SPAC format as well in terms of an investment vehicle. Do you feel like being associated with that has been a positive? Um, or do you feel like you've had to go out and sort of inve uh, educate investors and the general public about the differences? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, you know, being part of Richard's overall vision of space is an incredible positive. And Virgin Galactic, you know, has been a, a you know, a huge, huge part of that in, in really, you know, being the, uh, the, the, the lead company in the sector to drive forward. You know, at the same time, you know, we've had some brand questions of, you know, well, what is Virgin Orbit versus, you know, and what is Virgin Galactic? And we've had to clarify and educate. You know, we are two completely independent companies, um, you know, with, with different technologies. Um, you know, we certainly cheer Virgin Galactic on, and they do the same for us, which is great. Um, but you know, we we are in a different sector and in, in, in a different company. How involved is Richard in the day to day? I mean, Richard's not involved in the day to day, but when he has an idea, he calls me, and <laughs> and when he wants, you know, and Perry and I keep him posted on what's going on, and and he he really enjoys being involved and being especially being involved with the team, um, as well as our customers. I mean. Uh, and it's an incredible positive to have the influence of, of Richard Branson. I mean, and honestly, as me as a CEO, Richard pulls me out of the day-to-day. -day. Um, he often calls and we have a discussion about whatever's going on operationally and, and whatever is happening in the world. And then he'll say, you know, is this possible? I was having a discussion. Could we do this? And it pulls me out of whatever I'm thinking about today into the art of the possible, the strategic, the broader view of what we're doing, what's going on across the globe with humankind. And, uh, and honestly, it's a great mix. Mm. And just one other thing I wanted to touch on with you was startups and investing in startups within the space economy more broadly, because that's something Orbit has been actively involved in. And I wonder how you're thinking about how this sector evolves. I think there's huge opportunity and what we're seeing happen, um, you know, you're, you've seen a huge amount of innovation uh, pushed out into the private sector and you've seen startup companies pop up all over the globe. Um, everything from, you know, different kinds of communication ab abilities for the internet of things to earth observation, you know, hyperspectral capability, providing quantum encryption, ARCIT provides quantum encryption uh, keys from space. I mean, applications that have never even been thought about um, are now being pushed and, and pulled across the space sector. Great opportunities, great menus. At the same time, look, not every company is going to be able to stand up on their own and, and become a, a, you know, a dominant player. And so there's a huge amount of IP that's been created. Um, there are certainly stressors happening uh, you know, I mean, the Ukraine, it will be another one, but COVID, uh, you know, and, and that is, that is making it clear, you know, where the leaders and, 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 and where the other interesting IP is, we have been, we have been partnering with our customers, 
our, the satellite providers, um, and, and primarily focus on, on communications, not broad, broadband like the mega constellations, but more like the Internet of Things or narrowband communication for airplanes and, and logistics, as well as interesting Earth observations like, you know, we've took a piece of, uh, of Hypersat and we're, 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 we're partnering with them on, on their business. Horizon, um, uh, Sat Revolution, another uh, Earth observation and overall uh, satellite capability. Um, Big Bear, we're partnered with uh, for analytics. So our thoughts are we can help our customers through distribution, providing another distribution channel because we do have insight into the government. We have insight into other governments as well as the, the Virgin and Mubadala uh, uh, sectors. Um, and we can provide launch. And so that's been our play. And you've seen a number of announcements. Um, you know, we continue that, that route forward. I, I think we'll see some consolidation in the sector, but, and we'll see innovation that's been developed coming together with other innovation to create bigger and better, you know, one plus one equals three kinds of uh, results. Mm. Um, and of course, we'll see a lot of these satellites, I would imagine, are going to be launching on Virgin rockets. Exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly. So to bring this full circle, when we talk about all of these new capabilities, whether it's the IP, the hardware, the software capabilities, um, whether it's from a commercial standpoint, whether it's from a governmental standpoint, what now needs to happen for space to be more secure? Well, I mean, there's a few things. Number one, you know, there's layers of this. Number one is we need more situational awareness in space so that we really understand what's happening in space. Um, and there's a lot of work that's been done, but there's a lot of work to do there. And that that fits for both national security kind of concerns as well as debris and, you know, those other security issues like that. Um, and then there, there's going to, the debris problem needs to be solved. Uh, we need we need more active debris mitigation. We 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 need to really be managing space like we do air air traffic, you know, space traffic control, uh, air traffic control. So there's there's work to do as a as a regulatory infrastructure space as an area to manage, and then more closely for national security, we need to uh, put together a distributed launch capability, you know, based on you know, technology, our technology to, to provide the ability to launch from anywhere to anywhere and to do it unwarned. And so what does that look like? It looks like a, a few airplanes deployed around the world uh, for the United States. It looks like a few of our allies having that so that we can trade and share the load of space. And it looks like a, a menu of small satellites being uh, procured so that at, at any given time, the satellites are ready, you pop them into the air, the, uh, uh, air launch system and you go. Um, we've already demonstrated a bit of this in our last mission. I mean, Spire came to us, they're a small satellite company in Luxembourg. They came to us, you know, like a couple of weeks before our last launch said, could you launch this satellite? We put it in our fairing and we went. Now we can do it much faster than that, but that was, that was a couple of weeks is unheard of in our uh, industry for speed. But that's what we need to do. We need to practice it. We need to demonstrate it. And hopefully when we demonstrate it, um, the desire of our of our adversaries to spend money on, on anti-satellite weapons will go down. 
Yeah, because, you know, what's the point? That does it for this episode of Manifest Space. Make sure you never miss a launch by searching Manifest Space wherever you get your podcasts and by following the Squawk on the Street podcast. For more on the space race, be sure to watch Squawk on the Street on CNBC. I'm Morgan Brennan. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.